This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Akansha Kumar and joining me in the studio today I have my colleague Tanishka who has recently done a profile a deep dive on a man once considered as a media mogul sometime in the 90s and 2000s and is now at the helm of a business empire founder and head of the Z group Subhash Chandra Goenka Hi Tanishka how are you Hi I'm good how are you <laughs> Fine <laughs> How does it feel to finally get this story off your back Dude really really good really relieving because uh it was supposed to go up 3 weeks ago 2 weeks ago 1 mm. week ago there has been a lot of back and forth um and I've been on this for a while so I I mean do read the story guys but I'm also happy to just like close this chapter for a while now <laughs> And I think uh, there was this phase when you were just uh, frenziedly reaching out for a response uh, and even during our edit meetings you were like can someone help me get a response Yeah yeah So what was that like like why wouldn't they uh, respond to your So queries? I think I first contacted Subhash Chandra in fe- for this particular story in February um where uh, he didn't respond first and then he did respond he agreed to have a conversation and when i spoke to him on the phone he was just like i don't understand why you want to talk to me kyu karna hai kya like he was just like thrown off for some reason but after i explained it to him and i just finished reading this autobiography that he wrote which honestly after reading that i was really fascinated with this man you know so i was mm. also you know i was like i'm inspired by this that please just give me 5 minutes 10 minutes of your time and he don't he'll talk to me in one or two months and i don't know what that meant um and after that he stopped picking up my calls and messages and then um uh, when i finished the story finally like i think a month ago i uh, you know sent him a few messages again i sent him uh, my detailed questionnaire uh, and i also emailed it to him and uh, he didn't respond so we were like okay fine we'll go ahead with the story because i did contact him many times so it was all set to publish on one saturday morning and then friday night uh, just like i think 12 hours before the piece was you know Uh, due to go up uh, this was i think 3 weeks ago or 2 weeks ago um hmm. someone from his team reached out and said that we got your questions and we want to respond to them so let's uh, schedule a meeting 2 days from now with us and then you can you know go ahead and speak to subhash also and um he was really eager to he said that we want to have our site because my questions were specific about it did hint at uh, you know the story is not just a positive story and that was a friday and monday i was like okay guys when do we do this call and after that they just completely ghosted me um i called them in this was last week i called them i think around 60 times that entire week um and left messages after messages because i was also really keen to have their side especially after they you know expressed interest but they just like stopped responding i hope it's okay that i'm talking about this here but um you know i did my best and then i did speak to subhash again uh, subhash is some someone from his team again and they told me he's gone to meditate for 3 days he's in vipassana so he'll talk to me after that uh, but they didn't pick up my call after those Three days also. So after the point, we were just like, okay, we've given them, you know, a fair amount of time to mm. respond, and I didn't want to just uh, get his response so that uh, we are safe and have his version, but also because I think it would have gotten so much. more to the story you know um if yeah. i would i was dying to meet him and if that wasn't possible at least if he could speak to me or someone from his um team would speak to me because you know in these sort of profiles um 
if I would have gotten to meet him or speak to him, not just in his answers, even in his silence, body language, you know, uh, there lies so many things that we can add to the story. I'm sure you know that uh, with all the work that you have done. So I was really disappointed, but it's it's okay. I will meet Subhash Chandra Goenka one day. <laughs> okay. So this story uh, is behind the paywall and uh, is only available to subscribers. So do consider subscribing to News Laundry in order to access uh, this piece and also doing your bit uh, in order to support independent media. Uh, since that's our mantra at News Laundry, uh, you have to pay to keep news free. And we'll begin with uh, questions about uh, the story uh, itself, Tanishka. And uh, there is uh, one thing which I wanted you to uh, explain, which is how the story begins. And it begins by describing him with an adjective, a very strong adjective. And the word uses egotist, that you can summarize him in this with this one particular word. And uh, I think often... Every organization is a reflection of who is heading it. It There is a certain trickle-down effect uh, at every level of hierarchy. And I think when uh, Caravan had done a profile on Pranoy Roy, that piece too had been able to capture really well a certain elitist culture that was prevalent at NDTV. And... It was quite relatable also because at a very junior level when I used to work at NDTV 10 years ago, I do remember Dr. Roy interviewing former IMF chief Christine Bernanke, I think, and the interview was at LSR. And as a passing remark, he told the guest that, you know, most of our anchors are also from this college. Uh, taking a cue from there, why do you think uh, that there was no other word best to describe uh, Subhash and Goenka than egotist and how does that explain the downfall of his empire? So um, I only wrote the start of the story after I had finished reporting absolutely everything else so this was not um, that I planned that okay this is how this is the word I will uh, used to describe him. I did not go into the story with that set notion. But, uh, but you know, after three months of uh, reporting, of um, speaking to people around him and of doing a lot of research and because I couldn't meet him, I spent even more time uh, watching all his interviews um, and also watching segments of his show uh, where he would um, speak about motivation and he would give advice to young students. And there are a lot he of episodes. He had his own show also. Yes, Dr. Subhashandra show. Yes, I think until two years ago that was okay. um, still going on. And I also uh, read his autobiography, which I would recommend, uh, The Z Factor. It's actually really fun. I mean, he's very unbashed about everything, absolutely everything. Some things I'm surprised haven't gotten him into trouble, but um, his own accounts are also very um, revealing. So the sense that I got from all of this was that, um, I mean, of course, he is, he's done a lot. Uh, he's definitely a good businessman. He's, you know, visionary, but he uh, is also um, someone who really, really thinks that, you know, all the answers of everything in the universe lies in his own life experience, you know. And this is not to take away from his life experiences because mm. he did uh, work really hard to get here and he did build a media empire and is arguably one of India's only media tycoons. Um, and he did start his career with, I think, rupees 17 in his pockets uh, is, was when he came to Delhi. Mm. Um, so, of course, all that is there. But uh, just the sense that you get, um, you know, the way that uh, it's it's a little 
so uh, there was a point when he had uh, when he started suffering from what we call god complex yeah i think i think a little bit of that um it's it's the kind of adjectives they use to describe themselves it's how they speak about themselves in third person and mm. uh it's just really really putting yourself up on a pedestal which is I'm sure okay to some level but uh, it's it's not masked at all and you just really get that sense you know that this man does think um he is so so and so and um it is like you said a reflection also uh, of the organization and vice versa and um even in all the conversations i have had with his uh, former colleagues and mm. uh, people close to him you do get that sense you know that while they all did respect him they did um he is a personality to be reckoned with you know he does have a lot of characteristics that um are not um light in any way um he's also an extremely impatient man um from what i've understood and that is also something that has been one of the leading factors to uh, his uh, downfall you know how he lost his empire over the last few years yeah and what role did uh, diversification of business play as far as uh, wreaking havoc on the financial side of his empire is concerned because it's quite interesting to note that uh, it was actually the infrastructure side of yeah. his business particularly the sl group yeah. uh, the moment there were news reports uh, linking it to an alleged money laundering case that is when it seems that everything was like just a pack of cards and it started falling down so uh, if you can uh, help our uh, viewers understand the role of sl group and what really went wrong as far as the financial side of it is concerned right so the sl group is the larger parent company over here this was specifically sl infrastructure uh, where he started like you said he diversified into a number of um, industries over the years you know it wasn't just media and infrastructure there was also packaging there was tubes there was satellites uh, he had his own version of ipl actually before the IPL also i mean hmm. he was a man who wanted to like try everything you know he wanted to put his uh, dip his hands into everything going on and that is also i think I'm, i might be getting a little off topic here but that is also something that really defines his rise and fall specially because um he craved a new challenge always uh, and this is by his own admission this is not just my interpretation of him but and so he would crave a new challenge every time something would start going smoothly and um you know he would just invest here and invest there and he would get um i think bored if something would start going smoothly and he you know it's also the sign of there was this of, ferocious sense of ambition and yeah, restlessness yeah it is also a sign of i i maybe and did he begin man. with the uh, entertainment channel no. first and then uh, went on to news channel or was he yeah. news the f- first thing that he <laughs> <laughs> no because i'm just trying to figure it out that yes i i think z first began by entering into the entertainment space yeah, uh, sometime so. around the boom of cable television and then they it's like or maybe they happened simultaneously i'm not really sure yeah and um about sl infrastructure especially um so like i said he started expanding more and more and infrastructure is also um i think an appealing thing for a lot of people uh, you know there are a lot of uh, government contracts that are uh, big and that are very ambitious and someone like subhash chandra who also had a lot of political connections and he used them also unbashedly mm-hmm. um, this was something that was appealing for him to get into but uh, the more he started expanding his debts did start uh, rising and what he did was he he pledged his stocks as collateral against the loans that were availed by the group companies you know so he kept doing that and that is 
is why um in the end he just you know had to spend years just repaying all the loans that he took and the infrastructure business also crashed by a number of factors that i think um are really long to get into right now but i would recommend that you guys do read the story and this part is in the first half of the almost 5000 word story so uh, you won't have to really go that far to get there but um yeah i think expansions and impatience are uh, key factors that led to uh, his downfall and i think uh, the meatier part of the story is when you delve into uh, his political connections and how that has also seen a shift yeah. uh, in sides uh, especially after 2014 yeah. and uh, you have uh, spoken to a former ceo and some senior people in the industry who have worked uh, with him in editorial positions so what really happened after 2014 so the um, i mean 2014 was a landmark moment for indian politics but it was also a landmark moment for subhash chandra So as soon as Modi did come into power um Chandra famously said as a couple of his colleagues told me that we have equity in the government now so i think on that note uh, we can just maybe this is bait for our uh, listeners and watchers to read the entire story which is behind the paywall but you must subscribe ha tanishka so uh, you were saying something about uh, how uh, subhash chandra told one of his colleagues that we'll actually have a stake uh in this government um it's not really a very reassuring thing coming from uh, <laughs> an uh, someone who's uh, heading a media organization yeah. because all of us have seen how media organizations have changed sides we are so familiar with this term called godi media <laughs> these days yeah so tell us what really happened to z group after 2014 So you know it's not just after 2014 it's also before I mean Chandra did also um attend RSS Shakhas when he was a child so his affiliation for that sort of side of politics wasn't a secret as such but even before 2014 um employees did mark a shift in um you know the directions that were coming from above and um the sides that they had to take sometimes editorially and I think what happened just Two years before 2014 was, um, I don't know, Akanksha, if you remember this whole the whole Jindal Z uh, scandal when hmm. um, I think sting you were talking yes, about yes the sting the sting uh, so the Jindal group uh, released a video where um, two of Z's top editors Sudhir Chaudhary and Samir Aluwalia were seen um, talking to Jindal uh, seniors and saying that okay hey if you give us this amount of uh, you know this amount for advertisements we won't run these stories about the scam i mean uh, there's a whole video have you watched it no i just remember that as an intern <laughs> as an intern at ndtv hmm. i was sent to jantar mantar to cover a candle vigil by wives of uh, sudhir chaudhary and this other fellow are you serious yeah <laughs> Oh my god. No wait. We must stop everything and you tell us little bit about this. I am fascinated what happened. And this was also a time when this year was exactly I think 2000 uh 2012 this happened in 2012. Yeah, this December. happened in 2012 and that was also a year when you know Jantar Mantar had become synonymous with this entire Nirbhaya protest. So it like it didn't make sense why we were kind of giving so much right. space to this protest but journalists had come and i i i i can't really recall if uh, ndtv 
ran a story on this right. but i ha- i was shadowing so it was a candlelight uh, protest yeah they were like they were trying to garner sympathy for their husbands and that they were you know being framed uh, my god uh, in a in an unfair manner so i, I remember that bit over to okay. you okay yes <laughs> wow i wish you had told me this earlier maybe i would have uh, quoted you <laughs> as my source <laughs> yes jandar wonder mein kya kar rahi thi <laughs> yeah okay. so uh, basically this whole i mean subhash chandra was also one of the accused uh, when this video was released and fir's were um, filed and while uh, the editors sudhir and samir did go to jail for uh, a while um, subhash didn't but there uh, in my story also goes into certain details which i don't think have been have been explored before about what exactly happened um, how did subhash manage to uh, stay safe uh, who did he interact act with what deals were had so i won't reveal too much because for that you must read or listen to the um story which also is out on a podcast version you're teasing a story so well i am I'm just like hanging <laughs> there um but i will say this because i think this is also in public um this is also public knowledge that subhash did blame congress directly for this even in his book he wrote that uh, because he believed that the fir's were filed and uh, it escalated so much because he had the blessings uh, because um the police had the blessings of congress um not just the police he blamed um, you know the media he blamed um the police he blamed uh, political parties he blamed everyone if you read the that particular chapter it's actually really heartfelt and i've quoted some of it in the story also very very dramatic okay he's just like if people would have i mean obviously i'm paraphrasing but he's like the amount i have done you know for media business um i should have been valued and this and that but instead this is what how i'm being treated but why was he uh, lashing out at congress i mean so he did he actually uh, fall apart with the ruling party because of this episode he was uh, close to them initially um they also did help him um set up certain parts of his business which he also speaks about so it's not a secret but uh, what exactly happened and who are the people he specifically blamed um i would really like people to read about this because i don't want to spoil what is sure. in the paywall hmm. story hmm. but it also does deal with um you know him hiring a certain editor which the congress um felt was out to get them and um oh. so the congress did feel that i mean there is a lot um of politics uh, you know of even what went out inside the newsroom and i did also speak to this particular editor um in my story so i would again uh, at the you know risk of sounding a little bit um, obsessed with my own story and maybe i'm also an egotist now uh, but yeah do read it so basically what i want to say is um subhash did say in his own words that this jindal episode is what uh, shifted things in his mind he said that in return uh, he supported narendra modi's bid for prime ministership you know because he said up upa's response because he said that upa's role in the whole jindal episode was an unjust act so his way of repaying that was to directly support modi and again this was not indirect support by any means you know he personally campaigned for modi and later went on to become a rajya sabha mp uh, with the support of the bjp so um you know even the fact that the owner of z um has such close links to uh, a political party is not something that anyone has been um secretive about you know it's pretty hmm. much public knowledge and 
you know akanksha this is also i feel like this story i did want to spend time explaining certain parts because it's not just about subhash chandra it's also about how the news media functions you mm. know um if you look at the ownership patterns of uh, major media houses you will notice a uh, close links with politicians right and another part which um i'm not sure we've spoken about yet is how because of how diverse his business was he was really able to use um one business to get ahead in another business you know everything okay. was transactional hmm. and while you know you get it to a point but the fact is that news was also transactional and that is worrying and that is something we need to speak about more as journalists is because news is supposed to be a somewhat sacred thing right if not hmm. sacred at least that there, there has to be it can't it be used to be as, objective there has to be an element of objectivity yeah, without I mean, any I, bias i know that we've uh, really gone like that is old story we don't even pretend like most of news media is objective now hmm. but the fact that it is used as currency um is a little worrying right i mean hmm. if a story is stopped because someone uh, for example um this happened with subhash chandra also you know um certain reporters did have after they completed investigative stories when they had certain documents those stories were stopped before they were published and those documents were allegedly used by Subhash's team uh, for the benefit of his other businesses you know to get certain contracts or to uh, get certain leverages for other businesses which he wanted it to grow and again i say that this is not just about him is because very few organ- media houses are just media houses you know the owners have uh, a number of businesses and media is only one of them because media also is not profitable by any means right at least most channels most newspapers they are running in losses <laughs> i mean um media is not where you come to when you want to make profit but media is where you come to when you want power when you want clout and being at the center of such a news channel which uh, was really at its prime when it uh, in its initial years when it came about because it was you know he had the first movers advantage so he did really use that advantage and he did really you know use z uh, <laughs> as much as he could as a money minting machine yeah yeah but not in the way you would expect something to be a money minting machine you know the so, focus was not so much on doing news in public interest but actually serving his own interest yeah uh, i mean at least parts of it and again these are uh, you know i'm a little scared because in the story i have mentioned uh, allegedly reportedly but in this podcast i'm just like talking very unbashedly without using these safe words so um please listeners and subhash's fans uh, read the story to know where the reportedly and allegedly fall <laughs> and uh, one final question uh, is that uh, you know like even the former editors and like some of the senior most people who've been part of the organization have been very forthcoming in criticizing uh, some of the editorial decisions hmm. and uh, especially uh, you know there is one instance when he when z had uh, try, was trying to acquire some property in mumbai hmm. and they decided to and there was some kind of opposition regarding that so they decided to run stories how uh, you know some kind of refurbishment is right. uh, going to help them right. now um, this is kind of just 
ट्विस्टिंग पब्लिक ओपिनियन एंड नॉट रियली गिविंग देम लाइक दिस इज वेरी वेरी अनएथिकल हेडलाइन focused on a part which uh, would go against what subhash and z wanted so uh, according to the editor this is what got him fired um again this is his version and we have detailed Sorry, what got him fired so uh, he you know he commissioned a series uh, by his city team on this particular issue that we are speaking about this building in bombay and subhash did say that let it you know it should be both sided let it be balanced reportage let it not be just you know a one sided thing so which is so that is what i think is you know fair at least it wasn't like outright okay only do stories with this angle so it was supposed to be balanced but in one of the stories in this uh, series um the headline uh, gave the impression that uh you know the story was a little more uh, on the side which would not favor z basically you know it would go against what subhash wanted out of the building the outcome that he wanted so according to the editor this is what got him fired um i would i'm not going to again or she will read the story because i'm sounding like a broken record now but i don't want to give out too many uh, details you know because it is <laughs> behind the paywall story but yeah right so one final final question is that when you are into a story for a very long time like uh, a lot of people have to say a lot of things about like the series on siddiq kapanchachi that i did yeah. and while each of those uh, stories was based on facts and what was stated in the charge sheet because it was a uh, it was a set of nine stories over a period of 3 months there did reach a point i did reach a point when i had started empathizing with siddiq apan <laughs> even while he was behind bars and with that there was also this fear that okay should i just you yeah. know uh, step out of the story am i too much yeah. embedded for to be to be able to Uh, give an unbiased view because that's the fear that you need, should be able to embed yourself and be able to come out of it and zoom out and see also yeah. where what is right what is wrong so what was your experience of just chasing the story for the last 3 4 months do you abhor someone like subhash chandra do you see a humane side of you know yeah. uh, how difficult it is to run a business empire hmm. here uh, what is your final take on this guy Yeah, I mean you're right, and I did spend three four months on it. But the thing is, I didn't exclusively work on this story, you know. So I did have the uh, liberty of tuning in and tuning out, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. But um, I could always look from a outside perspective because I was working on other things, and I would then come back to this. Like this was like you know ground zero to return to um, every week. So because of that, I didn't um, get completely absorbed in the way that I felt like I needed to take a step back. But of course, the most time. I spent, you know, I mean, it started actually before I even started reporting on the story. I read his autobiography, and I didn't expect to be as <laughs> taken by it as I was taken by it in the sense that he is a really interesting man, you know, and it is fascinating. And I think in journalism, we also realize it's. 
especially for these stories, it's not really black and white. There is, uh, and again, black and white is uh, his uh, signature hairstyle, you know, his salt and pepper uh, hairstyle. But um, I mean, there is so much gray to a person. It's not like, you know, he's a good person, he's a bad person. Um, and especially when it comes to a media tycoon or even... Um, a businessman, a businessman with a vast empire across industries. Uh, it is very interesting to know who this person is and what, uh, you know, you start getting a sense of why they've made certain decisions once you get more and more into their lives. And especially for this profile, I really approached it with an open mind. I did not want to do like a negative piece, a positive piece. I just mm. wanted to know who he is and right. what has happened over the last few years. I mean, he has been profiled before, but, um, you know, since 2018, since 2017, actually, how his empire has been just uh, not even slowly breaking apart, quite rapidly, in fact. Um, I did want to explore what happened and understand uh, what role did certain parts of his personality have, you know, into this uh, rise and fall of the Z Empire. So um, a lot of conversations I had didn't make it to the story because I, you know, they were just for background to understand who he was, what he did, what it was like working for him, whether it's senior employees or junior employees. And a lot of people did not agree to speak for this story, even off record, um, because there were certain apprehensions, uh, which I do understand. How many people in total you may have spoken to in the last three, four months? Spoken to as in who gave me information or spoken to as in reached out? Reached like, out and overall matter. I really don't have a number but maybe uh, like I must have reached out to I think 40 people um, out of which some spoke on background uh, who mm. I didn't quote and um, some gave me just sentences and uh, told me who to approach instead who they think would be the uh, you know who could probably speak to me more openly about this um, so yeah I do wish that I could have gotten to speak more pe to more people especially on record and of course had some time to just interact with Subhash Chandra also um, because I do believe that's what really can um, uh, really lift a profile but not to go into this whole criticizing my own story uh, <laughs> segment but um, yeah now before you uh, <laughs> you know ask me for my recommendations Akanksha I want to also speak about your story which just came out yesterday after weeks of working on it you know this was an incident in Indraprastha College if I'm pronouncing it right that happened a few weeks ago and everyone did stories um, you know basic stories uh, news channels newspapers and digital organizations that really spoke about just that particular incident and it was like an update on what happened but you have done a really in-depth video on this can you tell us what are your findings about this issue and if you can just like speak a little about what the story is Right. So, like you mentioned that Indrapras College for Women, they had a two-day college fest in the last week of March. And on the second day of the fest, they didn't have enough security uh, because everyone is invited uh, at the uh, college fest. It's a co-ed event hmm. and it's an all-girls institution. There were allegations of uh, sexual harassment and molestation. And uh, what has been reported in newspapers so far was that around 200 plus Plus complaints have been submitted to the principal. But based the, on that particular uh, day, yes. So there were oh, wow. on the second day of the fest, yeah. uh, there were uh, instances, incidents that at least two. Uh, student complainants have told us also on record that uh, uh, boys tried to untie dresses of hmm. girls. They were 
uh, touched inappropriately mm. uh, all kind of lewd comments were made they were stalked inside their campus mm. for hours uh, and as it happens that as long as an event uh, is a news cycle it has a certain shelf life uh, the reported uh, stories suggested that you know 200 plus complaints have been submitted to the principal but there was no clarity as to what really happened to those complaints and whether police uh, were investigating or looking into these complaints filing yeah. uh, FIRs uh, under the uh, you know uh, required uh, sections uh, and therefore that kind of made us uh, follow up because uh, at least among the alumni network uh, there was this huge sense of anger hmm. uh, uh you know at the incident and more so at the way this incident was being handled right. by the college administration so uh so yeah so the video report uh, talks about the student testimonies we also were able to access some of those handwritten complaints okay. in which uh very graphic details about the incident have been mentioned and yet only one fir has been filed uh under 188 and 337 okay. ipc which actually just is about causing harm to another human being so uh, uh, specific charges related to sexual assault or molestation they haven't been made a part of the fir in fact when you have 230 complaints My that's God. the number that i have been uh, given yeah. by the uh, student uh, of ip college uh, it's it doesn't uh, it just beats common sense why uh, are the police not really uh, filing right. multiple firs so is based this just on just on the police or also on the administration for how actively or not actively they have pursued these so cases so the administration has also not really followed the rule book in this case because the day uh, after the incident when students were protesting uh, then there was some kind of hmm. clash of sorts between the police and the students uh, and there were these videos of girls uh, a girl being just pushed inside pcr van so uh, quite uh, uh, interestingly and i would say it, it it was it's slightly foolhardy for the college administration to tell students that a separate committee has been set up by the delhi hmm. university when the college has its own icc yeah. and they should have been the so ones the icc did not investigate this so they other girl students tell me that icc members have interacted with them once they don't know what is going to come out of it okay. because the official du panel hasn't interacted with them so they are in the dark they don't know what exactly yeah. legal course their complaint is going to take right. because the administration is not really giving them straight replies and what did the alumni say who you also interacted with i mean have there been such cases in the past also is that why they're also enraged so i mean this is quite unfortunate that uh, such incidents of sexual assault and molestation have been witnessed at ip uh earlier also in 2007 hmm. and i spoke with an alumnus uh who was uh who is from 1956 batch and imagine even then there were like not enough security oh guards God. and there was some performance of ramayana that was organized and still men had just barged uh inside That's the like campus like 60 years ago so yeah it's it's uh, i think uh, that just shows how callous the college authorities are when yeah. it comes to ensuring security of women uh, at campus especially during uh, an event like college fest you cannot uh, have uh, a fest with uh, you know female student volunteers manning the gates like this is uh, just sheer negligence yeah. i would say 
and when it's a planned event there should be i mean security should be taken in accordance of that right yeah and and also just handing out passes on the basis of a google form like hmm. there if there is a certain entry fee for such events at least there is some kind of regulation as far as the gentry is concerned hmm. but no such re- you know regulations yeah. were put in place yeah and this is a women's college right this is an all women's institution and just imagine for these students who are in their final year of graduation or have just yeah. uh, come to delhi uh, to make a career to be scarred uh, in a way inside their own campus yeah. and yet be unsure of how the college administration is handling it uh, so i think uh, there are some very serious issues which the video which the story kind of raises yeah. because similar such incidents have been reported earlier from uh, other college fests as well at miranda and i'm being told at gargi and lsr as well uh, which means that uh, these events they need a certain level of security uh and also uh, uh some due diligence should be done before you are organizing this kind of uh, event so that i mean they are meant to uh kind of just be fairs that are enjoyable and yeah, and I mean, leave a pleasant experience the responsibility of uh, safety i mean the onus is on the administration right. for how it is organized right there are no two ways about it and the fact that this is not the first time that it has happened and especially now that it is clear that there is a trend of inflicting a form of sexual violence during the fest i think it is high time for the du authorities to really take some stern steps yeah. uh and ensure that this is not repeated again yeah definitely i look forward to watching the entire video um and i hope everyone else also watches it so uh with that we'll uh, come to the last part of the podcast where we will share our recommendations so should i go first sure <laughs> <laughs> uh i'll recommend uh three pieces uh one uh there were two editorials uh, last week one uh it was in washington post and another one in financial times uh the title will be there in the show notes uh both have commented on the declining level of democracy in india considering uh the way things have been unfolding uh, with or uh, you know uh, the defamation suit against rahul gandhi yeah and uh, uh, other arrests uh, i mean kind of arbitrary arrests and unleashing of investigation agencies etc so both make for an interesting read and have sparked a debate on twitter uh, there's a third uh, piece that i read on article14.com uh, it's also it's done by uh, a freelance journalist called akansha deshmukh uh, who has looked into cases uh, filed by uh filed against three uh teachers in uh Madhya Pradesh's Indore district all three are muslims and they had authored books around sectarian violence and how abvp uh went after them you know uh, sh- uh, they sent letter after letter that this book be withdrawn two of hmm. them uh, were suspended one is on leave owing to health reasons so how uh i mean because there has been so much chatter around uh, certain sections being deleted from ncrt yeah. books uh i think uh, srishti did another story for al jazeera that how reference darwin, to darwin correct. has been removed this story uh, may have been lost in the crowd yeah. but it just it made for an interesting read that how they are just 
going after anyone and every academician yeah. who is questioning uh the role of rss uh, or any saffron outfit as part of their body of work they just go after it and damage uh that person professionally in a way that it's very difficult for him yeah. or her to recover and that makes it so difficult for future generations for few teachers in the next few years to also do anything right when you see what the actions of your colleagues have how it, the consequences yeah, of yeah, that it, when so, so I think it's a it, personal it, consequence so you have to it's just not personal it's not just personal vendetta for a yeah. for their like for a, a pers- uh, like for a certain ideology but it also is uh, imposing their own view and and instilling that sense of fear which yeah. you said yeah. and imagine that these some of these teachers are getting relief in their case only when it's coming to the supreme court so and you're right actually did not come across this story maybe it just got lost in everything that was going on so we'll definitely read it sure and now your turn <laughs> i actually started watching a show last night that i'm really enjoying it's called the diplomat on netflix um and i say just started watching but i'm already four episodes down and it's an i think eight episode series so it's about uh, how in the middle of an international crisis uh, a career diplomat a woman she lands in a high profile job in uk as an ambassador from the united states and she doesn't think she's suited for the job of course people around her don't think she's suited for the job but uh, why it's so interesting is because it gives you an insider view into what it really is like you know the life of uh, what what work these the ambassadors actually do and what role they play in um, you know calming down international crisis and uh, what's really interesting about this is also that it's slow paced you know in the way that it's like one small incident but what goes behind that one small incident and how much lobbying and back and forth mm. these ambassadors have to do mm. uh, i've never really known this uh, aspect of it so i'm really really enjoying it and you know it's also about contemporary issues uh, and you know global politics so it's really interesting i'd recommend this and i'd also like to recommend um a story that basant and i actually did in january mm. which is called wfi sexual harassment panel flouts posh act headed by a man instead of a woman because it's about um so the uh, protest started in jan by uh, women wrestlers against wfi chief uh, bridge bhushan singh about sexual harassment charges and corruption charges this went on for i think a week or two and then the protest died out and now the protest 3 4 months later it has started again just 3 days ago and uh, one of the committees that was uh, appointed by the government in jan or feb to look into these charges found that there was no internal complaint committee uh, in wfi which is mandatory you know and in jan basant and i did this story about how there was no icc committee and also how the sexual harassment committee that was in place as a substitute icc in wfi it violated many of the fundamental posh rules you know because one it was headed by a man instead of a woman second there was no external member in the um, committee which was which is mandated according to the posh act and thirdly how um, there needs to be at least 50% women have uh, 50% of the committee has to be comprised of women which was not the case here so we did this in jan and i think um i'm trying to flag it now again because uh, it is what the government appointed committee has also found and it's important to uh, speak about these things and not just uh, i mean these are structural issues in sports federations mm. so mm. i would recommend the story as well right and i think we had discussed the story also when it had come correct on <laughs> on this podcast so lo- uh, loyal listeners will uh, have a throwback who are <laughs> listening till the end all three of them <laughs> <laughs> including tairi <laughs> Right. So, uh that's all for uh, this episode of RWO. On that note, this podcast is adjourned.
All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.